Our Lady of Grace homilies are brought to you by a generous parishioner who encourages you to join in prayer for mission churches worldwide. Explore the Frontiers of Faith podcast for further insights into these missions. A reading from the Holy Gospel. According to Mark, the Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for 40 days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. My friends, in this year B, we focus on Mark's gospel in our Sunday liturgies. Mark, which is the shortest of the gospels, usually has the longest narratives. But in today's gospel, we get a rather shortened or brief form of the temptation in the desert. We understand and we know Matthew and Luke's version, uh, where we're given a, a sort of prolonged experience of the particular things with which Satan tempts Christ. And each year, as we go through those particular things, we get an opportunity to question and investigate what does it mean that our Lord was tempted in this way with these things. With Mark today, we get an opportunity to zoom out just a little bit. And rather than focusing on the particulars, we're invited to be able to investigate the nature of temptation itself. To be able to understand what Jesus experienced in our gospel today, in his being tempted, it's important for us to have a little background. The temptation in Mark's gospel leads us back, back to the very beginning, to Genesis. You remember in Genesis chapter 3 that the serpent, the evil one who was a liar from the beginning, entered into the garden. Something I make sure to tell my students is that in Genesis 3, that word to describe the serpent, the Hebrew word is nahash, which is a harsh word in and of itself. And it should tell you a little bit of the nature of the one to whom it belongs. Nahash does not mean garter snake or pet snake. It doesn't mean earthworm. It means leviathan or dragon. This in intimidating monster, this creature, this thing enters into the garden and speaking directly to Eve, he says, don't you want to try this thing? Eve combats him for a moment. No, no. The Lord God said we could eat of any of the trees of the garden, just this one that we're not allowed to eat. If we eat of it, if we touch it, we will die. And Satan says, oh no, you will certainly not die if you eat of it. The Lord God knows that when you eat of it, you will be like him, knowing good and evil. This particular temptation is a little bit confusing, especially for us modern-minded people. We're left to question, does that mean that Adam and Eve didn't know what was right and what was wrong in the beginning? They didn't know good and evil? How then could God judge them for making a wrong choice? They had no intellectual capacity to be able to know what to do. 
If that's what we believe, then we don't give the evil one enough credit. The temptation was not simply, you will know right and wrong. They knew that already. The temptation was, you will know right and wrong as God knows right and wrong. And if you look back before Genesis 3 to all the different elements, the things that comprise our our creation narrative, you remember every single time God made something, what he said? It's good. Right? He made the sky and, and the sea, and he separated the dry land from the waters, and he said, it's good. And he filled the land with vegetation and looked out at it and said, oh, that's good. Even back to the moment when he separated light from darkness and made day and night, he said, this is good. And he knew that these things were good because he had chosen them. He is himself goodness. And their quality of being good was only good because it participated in him. That's to say, every time God says something, it's good. It is. And that's the way that God knows good and evil. Can you imagine having that power yourself? What if everything you wanted, you had? And everything that you chose was good because you chose it. This was Satan's temptation in the beginning. It's what caused his own fall. His idea was, I see this God, but I see myself. And I am infused with beauty and goodness. I was made for great things. And it seems like This relationship with my creator is only holding me back. I will be my own source. I will determine myself what is good. I will choose and be like God apart from God. And this is exactly what the evil one crept into the garden to teach our ancestors. You too can be God. You can be your own source. You can choose on your own. This God of yours is not your friend. No good father, this God. He is your rival and your obstacle. Rebel. Choose your own happiness. And you can do away with all that went before. Our first parents were unfortunately susceptible to this teaching. They reached out, grasped happiness for themselves. But when they did it, they were anything but happy. They were broken. And in breaking that relationship with God, they broke their entire lives. Because since God is, in fact, goodness himself, their only hope for goodness was in clinging to the God who made them. From that moment forward, from the moment of that first sin, everything that man and woman touched became tainted and corrupted, became filled with a brokenness and a sorrow. Because every single man, And every single woman followed after the pattern of their first parents 
because of that original sin, they chose themselves. They refused to depend upon God. Which brings us back to Mark's interpretation of the temptation. Every man had chosen himself until this moment when this same Satan, this Nahash, this liar from the beginning encountered the new Adam and tempted him in the desert for 40 days. And what was the result? Christ emerged victorious and he did not say, this is the time of fulfillment. Now my kingdom is at hand. But indicative of the victory that he had won, he said, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. This was the first time that any man had ever been able to say definitively, your will and not mine. Your goodness is my goodness. I cling to you without rebellion. I've chosen my path and I will follow it, depending upon you, my God, because you are goodness itself. His invitation to us consequent to his victory is repent therefore and believe in this good news the victory he wins in the desert can be yours <laughs> you too can share the spoils and separate yourself from the sin and brokenness determined so long ago behold something new today in the gospels a dependence upon God, a clinging to goodness, not grasping, but receiving. You can follow in the footsteps of Christ this Lent. Behold, this is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Amen. <laughs>